Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show today is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you, Misha. I also want to briefly mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with Ozarks Food Harvest, but they're doing very important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations in the local area. I encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has an immediate impact on people in your area. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, as well as follow me on social media. All the links are available in the show notes. This week, we are joined by my friend Raj, who joins us all the way from Mumbai, India. Raj is an inspirational person who has a wide variety of insights from his experience as a financial advisor, a long-distance runner, and he also has a podcast called Running in Fitness with Raj. Raj only started participating in marathons within the last few years, which is a great lesson that it is never too late to start. Raj really emphasizes the value of long-term consistency in both building up to participate in marathons and in building a secure financial future through investing. I had an absolute blast talking with Raj, and I think you will really enjoy the conversation. Without further ado, let's get over to the conversation with Raj. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast. We're joined by special guest Rajagopal Anapura. I, I tried to, to not butcher that, but Raj, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today? I'm well, Walker. Thank you for inviting me for your podcast. I really look forward to our chat. Yeah, for sure. So um, the first thing I want to talk to you about uh, is something that, that I think you, I mean, I think you've had a long time involvement with, but recently uh, within this year, you've started a podcast on your own. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I have started a podcast about uh, six weeks back. It's called Running and Fitness with Raj. So as the name suggests, it's um, related to running, endurance sports, fitness, health, well-being. And um, I'm quite enjoying it. It's it's purely interview-based with guests from all over the world. I have already had about four guests from the US. I have had guests from Europe. Obviously, I've had guests from India, which is where I'm based in. And we talk about uh, their area of expertise over, you know, something like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's awesome. So you yourself are a, a, a long distance or endurance runner. Is that is that correct? Yes, that's true. So uh, I run half marathons and full marathons. Uh, and I've been doing this for about five years now. Uh, I started pretty late uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I was, I mean, I used to play some sports, but not at a university or at a state level, uh, but just recreationally in school and college. Uh, And then like, uh, I guess, many, many adults around the world kind of uh, weaned away from it and, you know, life caught up with life, uh, lack of exercise. And uh, so I'm 53 now. And, um, you know, I ran my first marathon at the age of 50. So just to give your listeners a perspective that, you know, it's never too late. And, uh, you know, one can always get into this uh, at any point in time. So so as I said, I mean, I started running uh, a little more in a structured way about five years back first started running, uh, you know, 10Ks and half marathons and then graduated to the full marathon two years back. So, uh, yeah, so that's been uh, that's been my journey. 
Uh, and I became also a very keen student of endurance sports in general. So I read a lot. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, interviews, uh, just, the, just the nature of the sport and, you know, what ticks the elites, what ticks the people, even recreational runners who are very disciplined about it, right? I mean, you get mm-hmm. the whole spectrum of people. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm also now a very keen student of endurance sports in general. And in fact, the podcast is an uh, outcome of that. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, so I guess a question I have, I've, I have never run a marathon or anything. I, when I was in high school, I signed up, we have a, a sport here called the cross, cross country, which is long distance races, um, a few miles. And um, when I first went to high school, um, when I was you know 14 years old, probably, the cross country team re- called me on the phone and asked me if I wanted to join. And, and I didn't understand that they just recruited the entire student body. They just ask anyone, you know, Hey, do you want to join? So I thought maybe I was a little special, you know? And <laughs> so I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll come for that. Uh, and then they were like, okay, well, we'll call you in a couple of weeks and we're going to have our first session. And, um, and then they called and they said, okay, well, we're going to meet, you know, tomorrow at, at this place in time and we're going to run three miles. And I informed them that I would not be participating in their group. Uh, <laughs> cause that sounded <laughs> terrifying. Um, but so, so when, when you run these long distances, I've heard people talk about like, you know, they run a marathon and then afterwards their body is like destroyed. But, and I mean, not to be, you know, too crash or anything, but, but like peeing blood and like all of this really horrible sounding things. But I just can't imagine that someone who's consistently participating in that is having that outcome because that sounds, that, I mean, that sounds horrible. Does that make any sense? I mean, what is your experience with that? Do you find a really horrible breakdown of your body or is that more just a lack of, of preparation perhaps? So I would think, uh, you know, to put it uh, succinctly, uh, what you said, which is that for most of the people, right, for the vast majority of people, if you have prepared adequately, and that's a big if, like, you know, typically marathon training programs uh, run anything between 14 to you know all the way up to probably 20 weeks okay oh wow okay so uh, but let's let's say 16 weeks which is you know approximately four months if you are prepared with a plan and there are you know plans which you can get off the internet to you know you can go all the way up to having an individual coach depending on your commitment budget and what have you typically for most runners that's not the case. Yes, uh, the latter part of the race, which is typically after 18, 20 miles, is uh, quite demanding, where your mental strength is uh, very, very important. However, mm-hmm. when you are prepared, even if you are an Olympic level athlete, you need to be very, very strong mentally to get through that phase. Yes, in the immediate, you know, uh, 12, 24, 48 hours, you are obviously going to feel fatigued. You will have, you know, aches and pains for most people. But extreme uh, things like, you know, peeing blood or completely passing out. I'm not saying it doesn't happen even for trained athletes, but the chances of it happening, the probability of it happening to you, if you have put in an adequate amount of training, and I'm not saying a crazy amount of training, I'm saying adequate for your age, for the time you have, uh, and all of that is quite unlikely. So while it, mm. while it, the full marathon is a demanding sport, uh, it is not, uh, it, it's not something which should in normal circumstances uh, destroy anybody. 
because in which mm-hmm. case people won't run on multiple marathons right i mean it's just logically inconsistent so uh, most yeah. people most people uh, you know uh, run multiple marathons and uh, you know it's it's a joke in the marathon community that immediately after finishing your first marathon of you know a lot of people just swear that i will run i will never run another marathon again and all of that and then uh, you know a lot of people within 24 hours sign up for the next one because <laughs> once, once once the once the effects uh, of that first marathon is uh, you know starts to wear off in 12 24 hours people start thinking hey this is not too bad i mean i can probably do it again and i want to improve my time or you know all of that so sure so, uh, so i know it's a very long winded way of saying that no no that's not uh, particularly correct uh, and for most people that should not be the case sure well no that, and that's why i wanted to to ask about it just because i think that that's um i will admit that i i didn't necessarily think that that was again incredibly common i, I was blown away i i uh, encountered a guy a few years ago that runs hundred mile races. Yes. Um, which I was just astonished by, but, but so if, if someone can do that, then clearly, uh, you know, the, the marathon isn't, isn't just wiping people out because if it was, then how could they run, you know, a <laughs> hundred miles instead? No. So, so one doesn't get to a marathon straight away, right? Walker, typically the mm-hmm. I mean, for most, most runners now, uh, the the journey is you probably do a 5k or a 10k and then take it up to the half marathon so you are getting yourself familiar with running for a long period of time i mean long is obviously relative because marathon is typically you know more than twice the time you will take for a half marathon and you know clearly well over four times four times the time you will take for a 10k uh, but you ba- you basically transition gradually into that distance for most runners. I'm not saying there are in people who go from couch to running a marathon in 16 weeks or so, but that is uh, that is rarer compared to people who go through a transition phase uh, or people who take gradual uh, gradual steps. And that's certainly been you know in, in my case. So I ran half marathons for a couple of years. Then I had the confidence. Then I knew I had the discipline to put in the extra work which is required to run the marathon and then you get to the uh, get to the marathon uh, distance so it's like anything else in life where if you build gradually uh, there is nothing preventing you from uh, doing it right right yeah it's it, it's uh it's interesting how um how unique our lives can seem sometimes and yet how there are these principles that are just true kind of no matter what application you want to put them in. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, whether it is a relationship or whether it is a marathon or whether it is, you know, your career investing, uh, what have you. Uh, I mean, it is absolutely the, you know, the same process, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so something that you touched on a moment ago um, and kind of the the mental fortitude um, from that one would need to have towards the end of a marathon, kind of regardless of training, because it's just, you know, there's a, you've put so much effort in, in that, that race at that point. Um, When, so, so for you, obviously there's a physical benefit to, to being a runner, right? You're healthier and in better shape, those sorts of things. But yeah, maybe could you expound upon the, the mental aspect of it, because I think that's something that uh, certainly in a lot of places, these ideas are connected, but in a lot of places, it's not the, the, the physical and the mental that are not the same, but at the same time, they do just feed into one each other directly. 
Yeah, sure. So, see, there has been a, a lot of scientific uh, research in this uh, for approximately now three decades. So starting from the early 1990s, uh, a lot of scientists, specialists have been studying the connection between the brain and the, the brain body, uh, brain body connection. So a lot of the things that we know today is based on scientific uh, evidence. It's been properly researched, uh, both in a, at a neurological level, as, as well as at an empirical, as well as at an empirical level. Now, what are some of the key pillars of uh, pillars of that? The first thing you have to understand is that uh, physically for most people you can push your body and get over the line even in a marathon at the same pace that you are running let's say at 20 miles but mentally you are in a fog you are brain thinks that i mean and this comes from uh, you know the way we have evolved over the years the brain thinks that you are going to kill yourself and hence the brain starts uh, physiologically the brain starts shutting down your muscles so and that is what is physical physiologically which is happening to you however it is not true that uh, you cannot do the distance so basically what you need to be sure about is that you conquer that what the brain is trying to do i will give you a simple example which is you know one of my favorite examples let's say mm-hmm. you just cross the finish line of a marathon so you are completely destroyed you you think you cannot even walk for two more seconds and let's say somebody shouts bomb at that point right, <laughs> right. What, do you, what do you think you will do you will just get up and run from there right so think about right. it nothing has happened to you in your body in that 2 seconds or 5 seconds which has given you extra energy but somewhere your brain has suddenly decided that look it's very very important to get up from there and run for your run for your life right so right. The, the, the what i'm trying to say is that physically you are capable of doing it and mentally you are not uh, you know the mentally you are shutting yourself down if you allow the brain to conquer yourself now what are some of the techniques that uh, you know there are a number of techniques people use uh, some of the common ones like for example what i do is let's say after 20 miles i don't think that i have to go another 6 miles to complete the marathon i break it up into chunks of initially 1 mile i will just tell myself okay let me get myself from 20 to 21 miles let let me just focus on the next 1 mile let me just stay in this moment right after 21 miles if i have to start walking fine i will do it no problem so mm-hmm. i give myself only 1 mile to now run or keep myself in the race at the same pace without uh, completely crumbling once you hit 21 miles you say okay this doesn't look too bad maybe i can go for another mile if i if i feel i am i really cannot i will say okay let me at least run 800 meters two laps around the track which surely i can do right so you can yeah. break it up uh, like that in chicago last year for example i started dedicating a mile to the people i love okay i said okay mile 21 is now dedicated to my daughter okay so let me do this for her and after 21 i said okay let me devote this to my wife uh, and then 23 to, to 22 to 23 i said let me devote this to my mother you know things uh, things uh, things like that so sure. different people have different techniques another thing i do is i simply count in my mind not count out loud i will just start counting you know okay let me count 1 to 500 1 2 3 i mean i know it sounds very boring but it, these are all ways to distract your mind 
from what is going on around you know the chatter which is going on in your head uh to say slow down start walking you know things like that so these are i mean this may sound very stupid but actually you know a lot of runners including myself actually practice it in our long run so when we have yeah. a 20 mile long run in training which typically can take you know up to 3 hours or even more you can practice some of uh, some of these things so it's not like you go on the race day and just start doing these things so one needs to practice these uh, practice these also and one final right. point which is that and this is again backed by a lot of evidence is that the big difference between the elites and the recreational runners are that is that uh, the elites don't think about a lot of these things they they don't worry that look i'm you know my body is starting to shut down and things like that they are trying to they are so focused that they don't allow the chatter in their brain to take over the body so it's, it's quite possible to do this so to summarize practice it in your long runs uh when you are in training have some mantras or have some you know some techniques which you practice during your training and then just execute it on the race day and it is possible to conquer that uh, that fatigue which is dictated more by the brain and not by your body that's that mm. i'm taking it yeah that's that's really interesting um i definitely wasn't aware that that the brain is literally physiologically you know sending signals to to slow down or or shut things down in order to try and oh absolutely you know, absolutely the brain thinks you are going to kill yourself right because brain doesn't know that this race is ending in uh, you know in 6 miles in you know right. so the brain thinks that you've been doing this for so long and you know obviously your uh, you know your glycogen reserves your the carbs in your body the glucose in your body is reducing the brain thinks you are going to just push yourself and kill yourself so it's it's just the survival instinct which you know as part of the evolutionary process which is there in our brain which is taking over but clearly that is not the case right so we know that there is an there is a defined predefined end to this race which is you know another 6 miles uh, but the brain from a very physiological sense does not know that so mm. uh, so that's what is happening uh, and these are some of the ways in which you can conquer uh, conquer it So, and this might sound a little um, esoteric or, or something, um, but I, I was recently having a conversation with a friend who was talking about how um, being as, as honest as you can possibly be at all times is is freeing, right? Um, it, it's a it it, it it it's something that other people respect. but it's also just for you personally it's a it's by being honest in in all things it um it frees you of the burden of 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 trying to keep track of the lies or or whatever the case may be 
But it was interesting because what I connected it to, and 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 I'm tying it back to what you had talked about, is um, is is mindfulness. Um, because mindfulness is is all about trying to be in the present and trying to just be in the moment, and not not consider the past and not try and control the future. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm not advocating that you would never anticipate the future or never try and plan for it. But in the end, you don't really know what's going to happen, and so you're you're just trying to be in the present moment. And it dawned on me that that actually is another kind of way of of being fully honest. And and not that if you're looking at the future of the past that you're a, a liar or, or something, some label like that, but just simply that by being in the present moment, you really are living as honestly as you can, because in that moment, that's all you're really in into, if, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what it sounds like you just described with the, with the running at the end of the marathon, where the the way that you're overcoming this is almost by not allowing your mind to go to, oh my God, I've just ran 20 miles. Like I, I can't run more or there's another six miles that that's too much. Instead, you're just staying in the moment that you're in right now. I mean, obviously there's a few minutes <laughs> that you're accounting for because you don't run the mile instantly, but does, does, does that make sense? No, uh, it, it, it absolutely does. Uh, and I like the, you know, the word you used, which is mindfulness, which is why, you know, I'm not a big fan of people uh, using music or music or listening to things when they are in training and especially on long runs because you have to train yourself to be present in that moment you have to really understand okay what's the thought process going through your mind you know if some negative thoughts come to your mind okay in, in training now i'm talking of training you start telling okay look, I have put in, let's say this is a training run in the 10th week and you are feeling very fatigued and, you know, you just want to slow down or abort the run. Uh, you know, you have to tell yourself in training at that point, look, I have put in nine weeks of work. I know I can do this. Uh, let me kick off these negative thoughts. Let me let me just focus on this mile in the or the half mile or whatever it is. Or let me just run to the next lamppost. Uh, and, you know, being very, very present in the moment. And the reality is that in a training run, for example, having, a, you know, a nice music with a lot of tempo may, might get you over the line. But the reality is that in a race, when you are actually running the full 26 miles, you know, no amount of music or anything can really help you unless you have practiced a little bit of mindfulness being in the present. And you know, most importantly, being non-judgmental about yourself. See, what, what happened? Uh, it's, it's very interesting, actually, this paradox, which I see in a, you know, in a lot of endurance sports people, which are, you know, which are, you know, filled with people who are very focused, very determined, you know, the type A personalities. At the same time, there are, there, there are so many people who just talk themselves out of situations. I mean, who are, you know, who come and, uh, you know, oh, I'm not very athletic. I don't know whether I can do this, et cetera, et cetera. And that negative self-talk is so damaging, you know, uh, mm. because you don't know what you can do. And when, as I said in the beginning of our conversation, I ran my first marathon when I was 50 and I had really no running background. And from there, in a couple of years, I have qualified multiple times for Boston Marathon, you know, so you never know what, you know, what you can achieve unless you go there and execute it in a positive, a positive way and be kind to yourself. You know, don't get into this trap of, oh, I don't know, I'm not very fit. Yes, you probably are not very fit right now because you have not been, you know, following a fitness regimen for many years. But 
that doesn't mean you cannot get uh, fit. I mean, it's like learning a new skill, right? So uh, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Be kind to, your, kind to yourself. First of all, be don't be judgmental and harsh on yourself. And then be mindful and be present in the moment. Yeah. So I, you know, I've spent the last, I don't know, it's probably not been a full year yet, but, um, but close to, um, on this journey of kind of, uh, personal development or or self-help and and I've been pretty candid about it on, on the show here, but, um, that's actually the biggest thing that I had to unpack in my own life and in my own personal space was, was what you just talked about, which is not, um, not being judgmental. Right. And, um, and it, it sounds I think it sounds corny sometimes to people or kind of cheesy where it's like, well, you know, be nice to yourself and say nice things to yourself. And it's like, well, if I, if I deserve it, then I will. And it's like, it actually isn't that like it, people are in traps. And I say that (laughs) in really in reference to myself, I I don't know about all other people, but you get, you can get in these traps where you have an outcome that's, that, that doesn't align with what you think you want for yourself. And then all of this negative self-talk comes. And, and I, I read this one book um, on, on cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and he actually, the doctor that wrote that actually went so far as to, to suggest that when you engage in that negative self-talk, not only is it unhelpful and, and damaging, but it's actually to some extent irresponsible because you now are focusing all this energy on beating yourself up and then trying to recover from the self-flagellation that you've done. And you still aren't putting energy to solving the problem that <laughs> that you respond are responding to in the first place. You know what I mean? So no, I agree. And uh, in fact, you know that becomes your reality, right? I mean, yes. you you are with all that dictating, uh, uh, you know, your own reality, but in a negative way, unfortunately, right? So uh, yes. as you go through life, obviously, all of us make mistakes. All of us make multiple mistakes, uh, uh, some terrible mistakes. Uh, uh, but as long as you come out of it, you acknowledge it, I think people should just uh, move on because I inherently believe that people have overwhelmingly more positive qualities than negative qualities. And uh, there is no need to, you, you know, be so harsh on uh, yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and that's another thing. And, and you kind of spoke to this briefly a moment ago, but you know, someone might say, I'm, oh, I'm not very athletic or I'm not in good shape. But, but what I think is the, um, the misunderstanding in that kind of statement is that, and and I know this again, from my own experience and unpacking my own head here is, I, I think that it's, it is amazing how much we are just creatures of patterns, right. And habits. And again, that's kind of a cliche statement, but it's, it's so true and I know that for myself, what I've kind of come to understand is that I had developed habits which produced outcomes that didn't make me feel good, right? But it had gone on for so long that I had disassociated those as being outcomes as a, from a habit and instead had associated them with being parts of my personality. So like the statement, oh, I'm not a very athletic, I'm not in good shape. That's not actually true of someone's identity. Like that's separate from your identity. That's the result of habits or patterns that you have. And by changing those habits or patterns, which you're completely independent of as a person, you can then produce new outcomes. So, you know, I mean, obviously in this conversation, if you don't run, well, then you're not in shape. But if you start building habits, which doesn't mean jumping into the marathon day one, but if you start building habits, you do become more athletic and in a more fitness oriented person. 
But that hasn't, again, it's not because your identity or your character wasn't equipped or wasn't suited to be that way. Um, anyway, I don't mean to monologue. More importantly, telling your brain that, look, I have to get out there and do this five times a week as against three times is going to be much more beneficial for you in the in the longer term because that quickly forms the habit and for, you know it also has a better physiological impact because your body is adapting every single not every single day but five days as against three days so it's it's absolutely habit forming right yeah i i mean i i found in my own again in my own experience um you know, I uh, probably about a year and a half ago, which I realized my name is Walker. So, you know, no pun intended, but I started going for walks on a regular basis. And now I walk probably not seven days a week, but, but five or six days a week. Um, Excellent. Anywhere from one to three miles. So not really rigorous or anything. But what I what I found is that I've now and I guess I don't know how true it really is, but it, it's real because I believe in it. Right. Um if I start to feel anxious or if I start to feel overwhelmed with anything in life, I I want to go on a walk so bad and, and I will. I mean, I can be at work and, and if something really stressful happens, assuming I don't have some immediate thing I have to address, I will drop everything and, and just go for a walk. And it's incredible to me how much that helps reduce the anxiety because the anxiety is almost like this pent up energy. And just by going and doing something physical, you can kind of I don't know, almost release some of that and then come back and be a little more calm and a little more centered um, in trying to deal with whatever those things are. How, how much do you find those kinds of benefits just in your everyday mental health from, from running, even outside of the context of, of completing the marathon, but just in your daily life? How do you, what kind of benefits? So uh, the, the tremendous amount of benefit because uh, see, first of all, uh, when I am running, uh, like when I'm training, typically because of weather and other reasons you know i live in mumbai which is you know reasonably hot and humid throughout the year so I, and you know i i like to get things done in the morning in terms of exercise so i you know i like to wake up a bit early uh like by 5 5 15 in the morning you know finish my run and get back home by maybe 7 7 15 latest by 7 30 on a normal weekday i'm talking about right now back that up if i have to get up by 5 5 15 in the morning Generally, I need to sleep between 9 and 10 in the evening at least, right? So clearly, you are planned even your previous day a little better. Mm -hmm. uh, you are getting an adequate amount of sleep. Then you get your exercise. So bottom line is that it gives such a good start to your day. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the, the, you know the, the physiological benefits of your good endorphins being released and all of that, which, you know, we don't need to go, to go, go through, uh, which is there. So it definitely, definitely helps uh, in terms of where your mind is and how well rested you are and things like things like that and the days when you cannot do it because of whatever uh, whatever reason apart from feeling a bit sluggish which is kind of the physical impact mentally also you 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 feel a little you know a, a little more dull or you know you, you feel a little more a little more slow uh, that, so i definitely see that uh, there is a there is a difference
And so uh, along with the running, you know, we, we talked about mindfulness. Do you, do you practice like mindfulness meditation type things or do you, do you do other non-running related um, regimens or routines that, that ultimately still kind of pay off for that? Not uh, not meditation as yet, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about it and uh, trying to get into it. And I am pretty sure that in the next few weeks, I will start doing it. Uh, however, for uh, running, uh, especially for races, we do something called visualization, mm. which is basically you start you know, so if I, if for example, let's say I'm going to run a uh, run a race in uh, Missouri, I will read up a little bit, you know, what the course is like, and I start visualizing. Okay, this is the start time. Let's say start time, starting time is 9 a.m. in the morning. You know, I'm leaving my hotel room at eight o'clock. This is what I will be doing. Here I am at the starting line. Here, here is the first part of my race. The first few miles, I'm going to run relaxed. You know, I'll and the, the, you can go as deep as you want in your visualization in the sense that you can try to feel the crowd, the other runners, maybe a little bit of chat you may be having with some fellow runners in the initial part, you know, things like that. And then you take it uh, all the way. So I'm not saying you visualize the whole race in one go, but over a period of weeks, you do different parts of it, right? So you start visualizing yourself towards the end of the... So it is kind of a mindfulness uh, exercise, mm-hmm. uh, or it is actually a mindfulness exercise. Uh, so that's something I do, but that's very race-specific. Mm. I don't do that year in, year out uh, in terms of meditation and things like that. But uh, I know that meditation helps pretty much everybody, and I do want to get into it. Uh, you know, Hopefully, I'll do that in the next few yeah, years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, so in addition to your, your, your fascination and, and now expertise with, with running and endurance sports, um, you also run a, a, a company, is that correct? Yeah. So I'm a partner in an investment advisory firm where we advise people on their uh, financial uh, investments. It's very, uh, you know, it's very focused on financial uh, investments. So we don't really do you know, investment advisory on, let's say, real estate or art or anything else, mm-hmm. but it's uh, financial, uh, financial, so stocks, bonds, things like that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, something that you and I kind of chatted a little bit ahead of time, um, but it made me think of it just in, in talking about preparing for a marathon. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't start on the couch and then get up the next day and go to Boston and say, Hey, I'm here for the race. Um, that doesn't work. <laughs> and, and, and similarly in finance, um, and, unless I guess maybe if you won the lottery <laughs> or something, but, <laughs> but generally that, that's also not the way that, that one, um, not just builds wealth, but just builds financial security for themselves. Um, so what do you, how do you see the parallels kind of between the two, even though they seem like completely disparate ideas? No, the, the parallels or the similarities, I, I mean, so the similarities rather, I would say is, uh, the first and the most important point, which is consistency is very very important mm. by which what i mean is uh, in fa- financial in, in reaching financial security it is very important to be consistently saving and saving from a very young age i mean it can be very very small amounts depending on what your earnings earnings are and the easiest way i think about it is that think about your saving as a bill you have to pay every month right i mean like like your mortgage or your electricity or utility bills or whatever it is mm-hmm. keep a small amount of money away every month 
as saving now now somebody may be somebody may be able to save $50 somebody may be able to save save $5000 that depends on your financial position at a particular point in time but do it consistently because there is tremendous power in compounding whether it is in in, in financial savings or whether it is in uh, running or endurance sports right because as you do more the benefits are accruing and accumulating right and it keeps building pretty uh, uh, pretty quickly and just to give you you know uh, some numbers right let's take somebody who is uh, who is investing who's saving just uh, let's say two a uh, couple of 100 bucks a month so let's say 200 dollars uh, a month and uh, this person does it for let's say 10 years so which means this person has saved 2400 dollars a month for uh, 10 years which is 24000 and let's you know hypothetically take this person has got about a 10% uh, return on that right this 24000 dollars has gone up to something like 40 you know, forty-two, forty-three thousand dollars in ten years. Now let's take another person who has started five years later. So this person is saving the same two hundred dollars, but only for five years. So this person started five years later. So this person has now saved twenty-four hundred dollars for five years, which is twelve thousand dollars in all. But that person has going to reach only about I don't know eighteen thousand dollars or something like that. Mm. So you see the difference. See, so starting early. It makes a big difference, and you can extend this arithmetic for you know fifteen years and twenty years as well. That initial five years which you didn't save actually costs you a lot at the back end because of the power of power of compounding. So I'm a big believer in doing small chunks of savings and investing it uh, uh, you know in a prudent prudent manner, and then the power of compounding will help you get to a point of financial security. Uh, over a period, over a period of time, mm. I, I, that that's been you know my philosophy. That's something which I implemented in in my life from a very young age. And the other benefit of this is that you know as as you grow older, as you have a family, and you know these habits are also passed on from generation to generation. Your children, or uh, you know once they are at an age where they can understand. Uh, your partner, uh, you know, would see this uh, discipline. Hopefully, he or she will also start picking up. So, I, I think there is a tremendous amount of benefit in in showing this financial discipline. And and not to sound too aggressive about this, but just like health, I believe that every single person has to take a reasonably large amount of responsibility in building their financial security. Uh, it's it's entirely in their hands, frankly. Yes, yes. No, I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I, I've it's something I've also talked about on the, on the show before, but I used to think of um, ideas like discipline um, and and like willpower and grit or determination, tenacity, those kinds of things. I used to think of those as as character traits um, that a person just innately has or doesn't have. Um, but in this last year of, of trying to understand myself, I, I actually don't believe that anymore. Um, I, I've actually come to believe that, not to keep using the word believe, but, that, but actually that what a person believes dictates those characteristics, right? So if you, if you believe, like, like, for, like me, for example, with going for the walk, the reason I go for the walk isn't because I have to wake up every morning and shame myself into, into going for a walk, right? It's because like I already shared, I believe that it will make me feel better. Like I believe if I am anxious or something that it will help alleviate that. Or I, 
I just see a benefit to it. So doing it on a regular basis isn't a product of um, of 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 having again this like strong willpower. It, it's 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 simply just a product of of belief. Now I do think that discipline certainly is a tool that can be used when you're first starting new habits or trying to implement change um, because maybe the belief isn't there. But what I kind of found was that after discipline, like discipline intimidated me at first because it sounded like it was this, there's going to be this fight every day. And and I don't, (laughs) I'm not a fighter. Um, But it, it turned out that actually after I was able to start establishing some habits, it wasn't, it wasn't about discipline anymore. I just believed in it. And so that just kind of carried me through to it. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, in fact, see, discipline, it, there is nothing like a person who's, uh, uh, you know, disciplined across everything they do, right? I mean, you you have, uh, you can have, uh, you know, a large company CEO who is extremely disciplined about their work, their work, work ethic is great. Uh, you know, they run a very, you know, very good uh, company and, you know, take care of all the stakeholders and all of that. But we know of so many CEOs who don't do regular exercise, for example, right? So, uh, so it so there is nothing like uh, somebody is disciplined in uh, everything. Everybody has to make a certain amount of effort or get themselves to be disciplined mm-hmm. uh, in some some area of life, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, it is something which uh, you you have to believe that you can get get to, and that belief will get you there, right? Because, and again, you know, I am going back to that point that if somebody thinks, oh, no, no, I, you know, I am not particularly athletic or no, I don't, I don't think I can learn this new language because, you know, I never had any language skills, for example. Hey, maybe you are not a natural, but unless, unless you give it a shot and unless you are consistent with it for a few weeks, you will never know, right? I mean, you are just presupposing and prejudging without frankly any uh, any basis and uh, we are not talking about people trying to get to be the best language expert in the world or trying to get into the olympics but just to improve from uh, from where they are i mean just to talk about my own podcasting journey right i mean like it took me a good one and a half years before i you know really put the effort in in, the, in this year in the month of may and then launched the podcast in june and then i'm asking myself why didn't I do this six months back? Why didn't I do this 12 months back? Yes, it took a bit of effort in that month, but now you are able to do it with a lot more confidence and with every episode, with every interview, you are improving, right? right? Uh, like you can, you can clearly see that you can get it, you know, in the feedback from your friends and family. So there is, you know, there is nothing like somebody who is the perfect human being who is so disciplined and, you know, so well organized in every aspect of life that, that, that person, she or he doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't. And and I'm to some extent here, this is me being very speculative, but but I'm curious, you know, you being from from India, if how this will resonate. I feel like in America, um, we just have this really, really strong obsession with celebrity. Um and I don't know that any of us is free of that, my, myself included. But, but what happens is that the, the problem with that is that it's not—it's a—it's a very produced image of what a person is. And so I think that that and I, again, I found this in my own life when I say people. <laughs> I'm also talking about myself, but that 
we have these idealized versions of people from celebrity and then measure ourselves against that when really that's that's just an again a very curated produced image that, that's being sold to, to sell whatever product the celebrity is associated with whether it be a tv show or a commercial or whatever is 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 that a uniquely american thing or is that something that you find to be true in india as well that that people have these kind of idealistic expectations for what they really could be when it's not actually based in, in reality no uh, it is not at all uniquely uh, american uh, it absolutely exists uh, even in india uh, across uh, you know across multiple areas where there are celebrities whether it's whether it's sports music movies politics uh, all of all of that so it's uh, i think it's basically a, a human trait more than anything particularly i mean it may vary a little between country to country but yeah. I, i think it's pretty uh, pretty universal and uh, people then try to emulate them or not even i mean emulating them is probably good in many ways but try to measure themselves in terms of outcomes against what is being portrayed but a as you correctly said most of it is portrayed you know it's portrayed for public consumption it may or may not you know be the reality and it is seldom 100% the reality anyway because the celebrities have to position themselves and uh, portray themselves in a particular way uh, and people uh, you know if if you are trying to measure yourself against that uh, the chances are that you know you are going to be disappointed more often than not well, i don't know how i feel about that answer because on the one hand it's nice to know that we're all in the same pot if you will um on the other hand i was kind of hoping that we just had like a uniquely dumb american thing and that the rest of humanity was more like uh, had risen above that you know but <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> i don't know how i like that but fair enough um <laughs> So in your 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 um your financial advice company do you, are you working with with individuals largely are you working with companies yes. okay largely we work with uh, individuals and we give them uh, advice on how to, so uh, most of the individuals that we deal with already have a, a certain amount of savings which are uh, you know in financial uh, in in uh, financial savings as well as non financials like for example some investments in property or you know or gold or what have you uh, and we try to discuss with them and understand what their objectives are on two levels basically one is what is their risk appetite and the other is what is their liquidity requirement so how liquid do you want them and then we try to advise them on 
what sort of options they have in terms of their financial the financial side of the investments so we don't get uh, get into real estate and things like that mm-hmm. so that's that's essentially uh, essentially what we uh, what we do okay okay yeah i mean i um i have very limited experience with um with with stocks and and, and things of that nature um it, it frankly it's something that it it to me it feels and I, I assume that you will not agree with this, which is what I want. I want you to explain <laughs> why it's not true, hopefully. Um, it, but it, it frankly, it feels a little, um, it feels a little gambly, like 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 a little casino ish. Um, in that, the difference between, the, not the difference, a difference is that when you bet on something, there's a determined time when that bet is either realized or not. So if you bet on a horse race. When the race ends, we now know whether or not your bet succeeded. Whereas when you invest in, in a company or something, I mean, technically, as long as it doesn't actually just stop existing or the value goes to zero, you don't have to exit, right? So maybe you invest in, and it goes down. Well, you could stay in it until it were, was to go back up. But it, it, I don't know. Like, how do you um, how do you help people understand that it's that it's not like just gambling or that it's not like going to the casino because we we have such little control over the companies whereas with like real estate or gold i choose when i'm buying and selling that and those sorts of things and obviously you choose when to buy and sell the stock i guess but it just seems like the value of it is a lot more outside of of the individual's control when it comes to stocks and, and financial products so i will give you certain uh, numbers to you know illustrate the point mm-hmm. so first of all uh, stock investment uh, is a long term investment by which what i mean is that uh, you know you need to be prepared to stay invested for as long as is possible so in my view at least 3 years preferably 5 to 10 years to 15 years mm-hmm. and i mean just to give you the you know if you, if i take the s&p 500 uh, returns over the last 90 years okay it has returned on an on an on an average annually about 9.8% Right. So for over long periods of time, stock market investment is a good investment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the that's the first point. So it, it is not something which you can enter this month and uh, you know look at exiting. So that's more trading. That's probably going into the realms of speculation, mm-hmm. which we don't advocate. We don't believe that's uh, uh, that's the case. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to my earlier point of saving regularly. So I'm a big believer in investing uh, the same amount of money. In, you know, let's take an index like uh, S&P 500. I mean, you can, you know, it's very liquid, you know, pretty much anybody, anybody in the world can uh, buy into it. Uh, If you invest consistently in it month after month, no questions asked, let's say $100, right? you will make a good return because what that ha- when that happens what ha- what is happening is your $100 is buying a little less when the prices are higher but when the prices go down you are buying a bit more so there is a inbuilt averaging which is happening mm. and uh, so, so stock market investment is all about being consistently investing not like trying to pick when the markets are at the bottom because not even the world's best investors can you know pick the bottom of the market i mean it's easy in theory to say okay i'll buy when the prices are at the lowest uh, and i will sell when the prices are at the highest it never happens right <laughs> i mean very very few people or probably nobody consistently has done that in the in, in history so what you can do as an individual is to consistently invest no questions asked 
it can be the first of the month, 15th of the month, 30th of the month, whatever it is, but month on month, you keep investing the same amount over a period of time. And then your chances of getting exposed are very little. And this is completely backed by data, right? So if you look at the return volatility, volatility being the difference between the highest and the lowest return you get, the return volatility keeps reducing as you take the longer time period. So over three years, over 10 years is lower than the volatility is lower for 10, you know, for a 10 year investments versus five years versus three years, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the, that, that's the way to approach a stock market investment. It is not a short term game. Do not get into the habit of looking at your investments every day, every hour, every second day, because that will remain volatile. But over a long period of time, and I just give you one data point mm-hmm. uh, that you know it it gives a you know it gives certainly gives you a return which is above your inflation rate in whichever country you are in. But you have to stay invested and you have to stay disciplined about it. So do you, do you, I mean, you know, you mentioned the S&P 500. So do you recommend people look at, at index funds like that versus, uh, or maybe, I don't know if that's an index fund, I guess, but at larger funds like that, as opposed to individual companies? Uh, my preference is to uh, work with fund managers for an average individual. Uh, that's how we approach it. Because individually picking stocks, et cetera. This is my belief. And I'm sure, you know, there are, there is going to be, you know, uh, there are multiple views out there. My view, and this is something which I have done, even though, you know, I used to work in financial services for all my, you know, career, uh, is that I would rather turn my money to a professional fund manager, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, One is to just invest in an index, which is an absolutely, acceptable adequate investment strategy so snp 500 spy is a you know index uh, index fund anybody can invest into that or you can uh, you know give your money to a fund manager it could be a blackrock or a you know vanguard or a, uh, you know uh, or a fidelity or whoever it is and they will manage the um, they will manage the money money for you okay rather than buying and selling individual stocks. And the reason I say this is for two reasons. One, to get high quality advice to buy in the individual stocks, assuming for a moment you are, an, you are a person who is not day in and day out in the market and you know you have another job and you have another business to run and you are not a financial services person it's very very difficult because as a smaller investor you your access to very high quality research uh, is going to be much more limited than an institutional investor, point number one. Point number two, you simply will not have the time to uh, devote to it because that's not your that's not your job, right? I mean, so to track individual stocks, make the investment decisions is far more, far more difficult. So that is not something we advocate unless you are a very large investor who has the time and the resources to understand individual stocks, in which case we are okay to get go down that path. So to answer your question, index investing is absolutely acceptable. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very acceptable route. Over and above that, you can also look at giving your money to a professional fund manager because obviously they take money in you know, very small chunks to very large chunks. So as a retailer or you know, individual investor, that's a, a, again, a very, very adequate way to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so really, I mean, you know, and again, and I had mentioned this when I brought this this topic up, I guess, but the similarities between um, the view on on running and, and the view on finance. I mean, really, the, the kind of the the key message is 
it doesn't happen overnight. And the, 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 the secret sauce, if you will, is, is really just consistency and the more consistent you can be. So to your point earlier, if instead of running three days, you can run five days and instead of investing every six months, if you can invest every month, right. Or every paycheck or, or whatever the case may be, that is really the key to, to getting to these, maybe what seem like larger goals, which is, you know, the, 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 the journey of a thousand steps starts with one kind of thing, right? Like, no, no, absolutely. And see, uh, in finance, it's obviously very, very well established, you know, the power of compounding. I mean, it's just arithmetic, right? I mean, the, the power of compounding is something which, you know, a lot of people, you know, the, you think they understand, but, you know, a lot of people really don't look at the numbers and understand it, the magnitude of the difference. You know, the example I gave you, for, you know, like somebody starting just five years later, the, the, the power of compounding is such that doing it consistently will 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 beat you doing it in bulk occasionally i mean it does it just doesn't work work like that so i have i always think of saving a little bit more as a bill or an expense you have to pay i mean if you are getting let's say a thousand dollars a month or a week doesn't matter uh i i, I would draw i would have that person think that you are only getting a nine hundred dollars a hundred dollars is of course savings you you live your life within that $900. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's a book, um, the richest man in Babylon that, that advocates that, that lesson, the idea of taking 10% and, and treating it as if it is an expense that you have to pay ultimately to yourself, but then that, that you know, leads you to, to be able to invest in things and, and um, have the money to, to grow the money kind of thing. Yeah. The money will grow. I mean, that that's, that's just arithmetic. Uh, right. So, mm. uh, so that's something uh and see the other thing is that uh you know just like anything else once you start doing this once you start uh, seeing a capital or a corpus building that in itself acts as an incentive for you to continue to do that so like very many things it's only the initial part which is the the, the initial few steps are the toughest right i mean whether it is because uh you know as you said uh walker you know you've been going for a you know, walks for over the last one year. And now you do it uh, not because you are, you know, you, you feel bad that if you didn't do it or anything like that, but because you are starting to enjoy it, because you are starting to see certain certain benefits right. coming. And that in itself is acting as a motivation for you, uh, like the very act of doing it. Uh, so it's it's a, you know, virtuous cycle, right? Because what you are doing, it's feeding onto itself and then it, you know, then it grows on itself. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how I think that it's, it's common for people to not want to celebrate um, small wins or small milestones, because it's not the end goal that they have in mind. But the power of, of recognizing that, you know, if you had in a savings context, I mean, is $1,000 financial security? Of course not. But if you had zero dollars and then you built up a thousand, like that's a lot more than you had when you had nothing. Right. <laughs> and even though you still have a long way to go, it, it can still it, it, it's still building you know, to your point. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, you know, that's pretty much the only way for uh, towards financial security for most people. Uh, and and that's the that's the reality for most people for most of the world that's the only way to do it. Well, the, the, oh sorry, go ahead. 
no i mean the, the, i mean i don't i don't know of any other way except you know you you know as you said maybe win a lottery or you get a big inheritance or something like that but leaving aside those kind of events this is the only way you can in a structured way uh, build your build your life towards some sort of financial security yeah well and i mean honestly even the lottery examples though are not always are, are probably not really great examples of it being an anomaly because the the lottery now some lottery people obviously win the lottery and then are wealthy but there's a lot of examples where people two or three years later are back to where they were before they won even right because they don't have habits and and routines that... exactly yeah exactly so you know as as the saying goes managing a large amount of wealth is probably more difficult than building one so <laughs> and if somebody if somebody hands it out to you like that uh, and and you had no system uh, no system no internal system by which that's what i mean to handle that kind of money it's quite likely you know you will lose it uh, and and i'm not necessarily saying that you blew it up uh, you know but uh, suddenly you will have probably you know people friends and relatives coming out of the woodworks and you know uh, taking <laughs> taking a, a dip at the trough and you know, things like that right i mean there are so many stories like that i agree with you yeah there there was a documentary uh, that espn the, the sports network did a, a few years ago called broke and it was just a, a a collage of athletes and all of the different stories that they had and it was incredible how many ways these guys lost money, but it's not all because they were tricked or swindled. Like some of it was a friend or family member wants to start a frozen yogurt, you know, business or something. Now it turns out they have no history with running a frozen frozen yogurt business. So it's not really sound, but the point being it's coming from an earnest place, right? Where they're like, Hey, I want to start a business. You could help me. But then it turns out that the business fails and now they don't recoup that money. And there's just story after story like that, but it's not all someone like swindled it from them. It sometimes it's again very earnest, but it doesn't matter. It uh, it still goes that way. So, <laughs> no, that, that, that's a fantastic example because uh, you know I haven't seen this particular documentary, but you hear of so many uh, people, celebrities, not just sports people, mm-hmm. right? Celebrities, and uh, you know, for the life of me, I cannot fathom how somebody could have had literally millions of dollars. Uh, just a few years back and then you know they are genuinely bankrupt and uh, you know, and it's not because they had any major health scare or you know they got into some trouble where they had expensive legal bills or something like that i mean it just seemed to have gone right i mean uh, it, i mean like you know and, and i'm sure there are you know there, there are multiple ways in which that money went away but it's you know for me at least it's simply mind-boggling how you can go from that to again back to zero or sometimes in in some cases or very many cases piling up huge amounts of debt even right right <laughs> right yeah they didn't just lose it all they overspent it well if you ever have some free time i would highly suggest you watch broke then because it might uh it might boggle your mind even further because there is a myriad of examples of how it no, absolutely in fact i will look it up today itself <laughs> and see where i can find it yeah um well raj i, I really appreciate you coming by and, and and talking with me today um so with your financial services company is that something do you work with people around the world or are you are you working with primarily just people based in india 
primarily based in primarily based in india because financial advisory anyway as uh, you may know is also a licensed activity so mm-hmm. you you can't just like that go and go anywhere pretty much nowhere in the world you can just go and start practicing mm-hmm. of course it's possible to get licenses and all of that but you know ours is a you know very very small firm in the context of uh, financial services so we have no uh, near term or immediate ambitions of expanding i mean there is there is enough and more to do here itself so yeah so we are very india focused well it was a it was a selfish oh, although 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 from a from a market perspective we do track the markets around the world and all of that just to keep abreast abreast of developments and all of that uh and keep yourself educated about what is going on uh however we do not advise people uh from other parts of the world okay well, it was it was a selfish question i i don't really play the lottery but if i did and i won then i was thinking maybe i could call you for some help <laughs> <laughs> i i can i can having worked in multiple organization including you know international organizations i can always put you in touch with very very good people in the us don't worry about that. okay okay all, all all you have to do for me is to you know the simple matter of winning a good lottery a big lottery <laughs> <laughs> okay sounds good you take care of that bit and i will take care of the next bit okay wonderful well, thank you that's very generous um again i really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your insights on, on on all of these subjects um it, it's interesting and i i I, I don't mean to be too too personal or something, but it's interesting how serendipitous things can seem because in my own personal life, both my physical health and my financial health um, are probably the two things that I've, I've come to understand that are the things I need to really put the most attention into developing new habits to improve, right? And then just out of the ether almost, I, I encounter you and you're an expert on both of those things specifically. So um it's just a uh, it's just a, a wild experience for me to 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 see how life kind of just puts things in your path sometimes that 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 just makes sense you know i mean it's not math but it almost feels like it you know no i really hope uh, you know at least some of the points uh, i mentioned resonated with you especially around you know starting small but just being disciplined and yeah. doing it over and over and over again and then you know most likely for 99% of the people things will fall in place yeah right so it's it's as simple as that so and that that's what i have experienced in both these uh, areas and especially when it comes to running and endurance sports because as i said i started pretty late in life with pretty much no background uh, you know in it and uh, now i am seeing results and just by being consistent and you know just showing up uh, showing up as frequently as possible yeah no that's it's a, it's an awesome it's an awesome message and a powerful one um because to 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 your point i mean i think that people definitely get in their heads that there's some point in time which they can no longer try new things or develop new skills or whatever and it's 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 just not the case. I just, I've known, I've met too many people through podcasting alone, but, but just in life um, that, that prove that to not be true. So uh, I think that's a really powerful message for people to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, Raj, uh, your, your podcast is, uh, is running in fitness with Raj, correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah. And is that available on, on Spotify, iTunes, all, all the, all the platforms? All, all platform. It's all, it's available on all platforms. Uh, I do have a few listeners from the U S as well. So, uh, I would urge your listeners to at least give it uh, one listen to see yeah. how it's, uh, because I, as I said, it's got guests from all over the world. 
uh, and we talk about multiple so even though it's called running and fitness it's it's more related to you know endurance sports fitness health well-being so we have guests like you know obviously we will have good runners and coaches and elites but we also have uh, you know scientists physiotherapists nutritionists people who uh, you know who are experts in the mental side of things you know how to mentally train yourself etc so and it's 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 interview based so every show i try to get one guest uh, who is an expert in their field and then talk about uh, talk about that uh, and i publish every monday early morning monday morning india time so which means uh, late night uh, us depending on where you are right 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 well cool well running running and fitness with raj and, and i'll make sure and have links in the show notes to it so people can find it there i, I appreciate that walker thank you yeah absolutely well, well raj again thank you so much for your time you're, you're very generous to, to come on the show i really appreciate it uh, and i wish you all the best of luck uh, with your, your podcast and, and your company Uh, Walker, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed our chat, and uh, wish you the very best in all your endeavors. Thank you.
All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Raj for joining us uh, today on the show. I just think it's so cool when I get to talk to people from around the world like that. And uh, Raj is obviously just a really intelligent and thoughtful and, and warm guy. Um, really encourage you to check out his podcast, Running in Fitness with Raj. He's also got a blog, Running with Raj, that I, I encourage you to also take a look at. Uh, also, thank you, of course, to Misha Zarens for providing the music for the show today. And, of course, thank you, listener, for listening to the episode. I also encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games. And while we do talk about news and reviews and, you know, current events and gaming, we also try and talk about just why gaming matters and, and really share our emotional connections with gaming and, and why we think it's such an important medium. Uh, you can find Pick Up Your Sticks anywhere you listen to podcasts. So wherever you listen to The Walk Show, you can probably listen to Pick Up Your Sticks as well. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.